book of James, as the Bible as well, was written about 2,000 years ago. Yet, it's amazing how relevant it is for today. And it will always remain relevant, right? But throughout this book, James shows us how to put our faith to work. Because as James said in James 2.26, faith without works is dead. James shows us what a mature Christian looks like. I think we need that in our world today. And he spends a lot of time talking about how we should control what we say. Now, you might need your steel-toed boots today. And I'm going to need a lot of amen and okay? You guys were really excited in the worship. You're not going to let me down now, are you? So we are going to learn how we can control what we say. So the first half of James 3 teaches us about taming the tongue. Exactly. And that's what I'm preaching on today, taming the tongue. And this chapter starts out with a verse. It really kind of seems out of place, but it's not. James 3.1 says, Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Now, I know that standing up here on this platform in front of this pulpit is a honor and it is a privilege. And I take that very seriously. It's holy. And I know I'm going to be strictly judged for the content of my sermons. That's why I always have Pastor Joe look them over. The doctrine guy, right? I I can't just stand up here and give you my opinion. You don't want my opinion. I can't just stand up here and speculate. I must rightly divide the word of truth. And we both take that very serious. You see, people judge teachers more strictly, and so does God. Why will teachers receive a stricter judgment? Because here's the thing. We have the the possibility or the potential of leading you to truth or leading you astray. And there are many preachers, don't just assume every preacher you listen to on social media is going to lead you to truth. Many will lead you astray. Make sure you have an accountability when you're reading the word of God or listening to things on on social media. But God will judge every word we say for that very reason. So when you say something, you know, it impacts when you say something, the person that you are talking to or people who might uh, read it on social media. But when teachers say something, it impacts hundreds of people. That's part of why it's a holy privilege. We will be judged by the words we say. And that's why this verse that I just read connects with the rest of the section. It's all about the words that we speak. And James 3, 2 goes on to say, we all stumble. Anybody in here never stumbled? Raise your hand. Exactly. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, He is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. Now, when James is saying here, a perfect man, he doesn't mean sinless perfection. None of us are going to ever be sinless and have sinless perfection. But we know that because he, we know this because he also said we all stumble in many ways. 
So you can't have sinless perfection and stumble in many ways. None of us are perfect. We all sin. Also, remember that the New Testament, when you see the word perfect, it actually means mature. It means mature. So if you think you're a mature believer, it's, it does not just mean that you know the word. Now, hear me. This is really important. It means that you do the word. I know so many Christians who will speak the word, say they believe, but they don't do the word. And that you deceive yourself when you do that. You have to do the word, you have to hear the word, and you have to control your tongue. James 3.3 compares taming the tongue to taming wild animals. That's pretty intense. It says, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. James 3, 7 through 8 says, people can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. What a comparison. Now listen, that doesn't mean taming the tongue is hopeless. I have good news for you today. It means this is important. You can't do it on your own, in your own strength, but with God's help, we can tame our tongue. Amen? As with all things, we're co-laborers with the Lord. We need his strength. We need to do what the Bible says in Proverbs 21, 23. If you want to stay out of trouble, be careful what you say. But to do that, we have to have God's help. Psalms 141, 3 says this, Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. I can tell you right now, I've had at least four times, probably more, I don't even realize, this week, when I started to say something, don't laugh, you know you do it too, come on, you know where I'm going with this, don't you? Like, well, uh, and it hits me, Deb, don't say it, shut your mouth, bite your tongue, don't do it. And you know what I'm talking about, right? I really believe that was the Spirit of God speaking to my heart. So we are co-laborers with him. Set a guard, O Lord, over my, wa- my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Then James 3, 4 through 5 says this. Take a ship or ships, for example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder. Whenever the pilot, wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Now, notice in this verse, James compares the tongue to a rudder on a ship. The largest ship in the U.S. Navy is the USS Gerald Ford. It is 1,092 feet long and weighs 100,000 tons. That's immense, right? But as immense as this ship is, it is turned by one person controlling a rudder. That, that's simple. And that means that the, as immense as it is, that this little rudder is one one-thousandth the size of that ship. 
but it controls the whole ship. A tiny rudder controls that huge ship. So it is with our mouths. The little thing inside your mouth called your tongue can determine your entire destiny. That's why God gave us two ears and one mouth. We need to listen more than we speak. But listen, you don't solve the problem of an unruly tongue or, an, or excuse me, an unruly horse by keeping it in the barn. You don't just lock it up in a barn. You don't solve the problem of a hard-to-steer ship by keeping it tied to the dock. Their purpose is then completely thwarted. And in the same way, I'm sorry to tell you, but a vow of silence isn't going to do it. You can't make a vow of silence. I doubt it would last one day if you did. So we have to find what the answer is. And you don't solve the problem by trying to do it on your own. For the ultimate answer of the misuse of our tongue is help allowing God to help us. We need help and we need to control our tongues. So listen, you know this. What you say to everyone or to someone, it has lasting effects. Whether for good or for bad, you cannot take it back. On the other hand, a very well-timed encouragement, a compliment, kind words to inspire someone, it can affect them for the rest of their lives. I remember I was a child in elementary school, beaten down, abused, didn't feel any self-worth. And one teacher told me one day, you really have potential to write. And you seem like you could speak. That, yeah, you didn't know that? Oh, baby, yeah. <laughs> Honey, I'm not making it up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that inspired me. I believed her. And of course, <laughs> maybe she was right, I don't know. But rather than controlling our tongues, our, our tongues, unfortunately, seem to control us. And guess what? The results are disastrous. James 3, 5 through 6 says this. Consider, oh, with Maui, everything going on in Maui right now, this was very like, wow to me. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. Whoa. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Wow. You know, we hear sermons about eternal hellfire, but James says we can have hellfire in our lives right now by what we say with our mouth. Heaven forbid, amen? So we have to watch our words. And how do we bring hellfire into our lives? Through the words we speak. Our words can be motivated by heaven, or we can, and we can speak God's word or by hell, and we can speak the enemy's word. And this is true. Satan's main tool is words. God's main tool is words. You get to choose. So when you open your mouth, you are either speaking for God or you are speaking for Satan. So when our speech is motiva motivated by God, there is life in the things that we say. But when our speech is motivated, motivated by Satan, it contains death. James 3.8 says, no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Woo, that's heavy. The tongue is restless. 
It's always wanting to say something. Restless in the Bible also means unstable. Restless and unstable. And the tongue is evil. And it's full of deadly poison. You know, that sounds familiar. Proverbs 18.21 says, The tongue has the power of life and death. I'm sure most every one of us in here is familiar with that passage of Scripture. Words can heal and they can kill. Words can bless and they can curse. Words can build up and they can tear down. Words can glorify God and words can glorify Satan. Heaven forbid that we glorify Satan with our words. Let's glorify God by what we say. So James addresses that in verses 9 through 11. I love this. Sometimes it, our tongue, praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those, those, oh, this is so good. It curses those who have been made in the image of God. Woo! That just hit me. It's one thing to curse someone, but it's another thing to curse them and then realize, wait a minute, they are made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Now, there are believers whose tongues are out of control, and they bless God with one breath. Oh, Jesus, I love you. You're such an amazing God. And they get out in the car and start slamming their, their spouse, speaking negative things to each other. And in the same breath, they praise God, and then they curse somebody out. James says this, surely my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? And can you draw fresh water from a salty spring? Mm -mm. We're going to go to a salty spring, the Dead River, when we go to Israel. And you're not going to get any fresh water out of that Dead Sea. So you, you can't get fresh and, and salty water out of the same spring. James gives us a huge key to taming the tongue in these verses. So you're figuring out, if you already didn't know it, that the trunk, tongue is not something you can control and that we p curse God and we bless, bless, we bless God and curse others. But now James is saying, here's some keys that I want to give you or he's giving them to you in these verses, and we are, it's up to us what we do with that. He is saying that the words we speak come from a deeper source in our tongue. This is the key here. This is a big key. And he's giving us these truths. James, notice that James compares in this last passage an olive tree and a fig tree. Did I read that already? Oh, I did skip it. I'm going to read it right now. Okay, James says, Surely my brothers and my sisters... This is not right. Yeah, I read it. Oh, I read half of it. Okay. Okay, the spring and the water, we got that. Okay, here it is. This is a little better. This is more of it. Does a fig tree produce olives? No. Or a grapevine produce figs? No. And you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. So here we're seeing this is the huge key that I want to talk to you about. He's saying the words we speak come from that deeper source. And he compares an olive tree and a fig tree. You see, you can call a fig tree an olive tree all day long. Oh, look at this great uh, olive tree that I just bought. 
No, that's, that's a fig tree. But you won't make it an olive tree if it's a fig tree. You can trim a fig tree <laughs> to look like an olive tree, but that will not make it an olive tree. You can surround a fig tree with many other olive trees, but you're not going to make it an olive tree. You can transplant a fig tree on the Mount of Olives, but that would not make it an olive tree. Do whatever you want. You can't change the nature of what that tree was intended to do. And the Bible says this, by your, their fruit, we will know them. It's that simple, folks. Blessings and cursings coming out all the time, no fruit in your life, saying you're of God, but you act like the devil. Uh, I don't think so. By your fruit and your words, your true heart will be known. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 35 through 34, for out of the overflow, some passages or uh, translations say abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Whatever you're holding in here, that's going to come out. It's a heart problem. It is a heart problem. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be careful what we say. We should, but that is only part of the solution. God is concerned with both our words and our hearts. Psalms 19:14 says, oh, May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart be pleasing in your sight, O oh God. The meditations of your heart. And then guess what? The words of your mouth are going to line up. I think the point that James is making here is that we must first guard our hearts before we can guard our lips. Listen, if you're carrying around all this junk in you, you're not fooling anybody. You're not. Because eventually your true colors are going to show. It's going to come out. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's the heart that's the problem. We can guard our hearts and guard our lips. If I change what I say and my heart doesn't change, have I really changed? No, it's good to change what you say, but it's more important to change what's in your heart. And that's why Proverbs 4.23 tells us this, above all else, what does above all else mean? I'm going to tell you what above all else means. It means above all else. <laughs> Guard your heart. Why? It's the wellspring of life, the wellspring of life. Everything comes out of the heart. The New Living Translation, that was Proverbs 40, 23. The New Living Translation says it determines the course of your life. Whoa. The complete Jewish Bible says it is the source of life's consequences. Listen, I thought I was doing pretty good on all this till I went through this sermon again, until I started studying on this, and I'm whoa, okay. Oh, it takes a God a God conviction, and believe me, I experienced that in this message. And, and one of the reasons guarding your heart is important is because it's the source of your words that minister either life or death. So we must guard our hearts, watch our words. But how do we do this? It's easier said than done, isn't it? 
And the truth that James tells us is that ultimately we can't control our tongues on our own. I'm going to give you an example out of my life. My daughter is here today. I didn't know she was going to be here today, but she'll remember this story. My poor kids. <laughs> they're, always, they're always the source of our, of our illustrations. No, they don't mind. They've always said, Mom, Dad, you can talk about us anytime you want. We know you love us. So there was a time when I was struggling. Kristen was way, way younger than this. And um, I was upset with Kristen because she made some choices that I didn't want her to make. Guess what? Your teenage kids are probably going to do that. It was a challenge. And I didn't handle it very well. Actually, I was wanting more to control her than I was concerned about those choices. I realized that later because I was trying to be controlling. But anytime I had a conversation with her, no matter how hard I tried, I would try. Believe me, I always ended up saying something hurtful. And I would say it, and immediately I would regret it, but it was too late. And then I wasn't going to admit it. So I just acted like she was being sensitive or whatever, you know. But I would always say things, and I would feel bad. And I would say, I'm never going to do that again. But I'd do it again and again. And this went on for some times. I could not control my tongue. Well, one evening, Kristen and I had a, a, really, a phone conversation, and I said some very hurtful things. And she started crying, and I started crying, and we hung up the phone. So, you know what Kristen did? She called her dad. <laughs> I'm there in the bedroom crying, bawling my eyes out. He's out there on the phone consoling her. So he listened to Kristen, and he was able to feel her pain that I had caused her. Listen, even though people might make wrong choices, we don't have the right to speak curses and, and mean things on them. Come on. We all make mistakes, right? So I waited and he came in my room. Joe, he hung up with Chris and he came into my room and I was crying and he said, you know what, honey, baby, sweetie, Kristen's right. I'm like, okay, great. He's on her side. He said, you know, she made some bad choices, but can you forgive her? Can you go to God and ask him to change your heart towards her? That moment, for the first time in years as we had been going through this, I was able, able to see the pain that my words were calling, causing my daughter. And all of a sudden, it didn't matter if I was right or wrong. All of a sudden... I was concerned for my daughter and how much pain I was pouring on her because of her choices. You see, Joe's words to me were life. And in turn, my heart changed. And we haven't had that problem since, huh, Kristen? <laughs> now, let me tell you what, it's way better than it used to be, okay? So we don't... Um, God broke my heart over that situation, and the Holy Spirit changed my heart. That's what changes in your heart. And we don't struggle to control our mouth when our hearts are changed, at least not like we used to. You see, the real issue was my not my mouth. The real issue was my heart. My mouth was just reflecting what was buried deep in my heart, and God helped me and changed my heart. You know, how many of you know sticks and stones? Thank you. You, you heard this as a kid, sticks and stones will, oh, you said it probably, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Not true. 
Not true, but we said it, didn't we? It's a complete lie. All it takes is one unkind word to demolish beliefs and harden a heart. I thought of an example, but I, I better not share it. <laughs> Some kids used to say to me, well, they used to call me Dumbo and said I had big ears, you know. So I grew up, grew up. Oh, yeah, thank you. I'm seeing people. Yeah, I, I do have big ears, but, you know, it wasn't nice to say, right? And so, but I grew up feeling like, you know, I, I just had these big ears. I better keep them covered up. I don't want to wear ponytails and, and all of that. That's a, uh, you know, that's a minor illustration, but it can hurt. And it takes just one unkind word to demolish beliefs and harden someone's heart. But all it takes is one kind word to inspire hope and to build dreams. Church, let's commit to saying more kind things. We think them, we just don't say them. So let's start saying them. There is power in it, but here's a sobering thought. Are you aware? You will have to answer to God for every single careless word you have ever spoken. Every single word, that's a sobering thought. Words can impact your entire destiny. Matthew 12, 36 through 37 tells us this. Jesus says, I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. Ouch. For by your words, you are acquitted, and by your words, you will be condemned. Our words impact us and impact us in eternity, and our words impact us in everyday life here and now. The next words you speak will impact you and the person that you speak it to. So go to God, recognize it, cry out to him to change your heart our words impact us. Listen, did you know you can know God's will for your life and never accomplish it because of the words of your mouth? Our words can frame our future and blueprint our destiny for good or bad. Our tongues can either further God's purpose or hinder it. Our tongues can either build people up or tear them down. Everything that God is trying to accomplish, church, in and through you can be established or destroyed by what comes out of your mouth. You know, there's some people all of us, I'm sure, that are believing God for good things, but many never see them. Maybe the reason is they're believing, but they're not speaking. 2 Corinthians 4.13 says, it is written, I believed, therefore, I have spoken. Oh, God, do this for me, but you know what? How's that ever going to happen? With the same spirit of faith, we also believe, and therefore we speak. That's 2 Corinthians 4.13. Believing God's word isn't enough. We must speak it. You won't see many positive results by speaking negative things. Now listen, I know that there are times when by God's mercy and his grace, he blesses us instead of our foolish behavior. And our foolish words, I believe that. I know that God blesses us. He's a God of mercy and grace. But the Bible is very clear that our words are powerful. 
Proverbs 18.20 says, From the fruit of his mouth, I love this, man's stomach is filled. With the harvest of his lips, he is satisfied. It's not talking about food there. Maybe it is somewhat, but it's not all it's talking about. The Amplified Version says this, A man shall be filled with the fruit of his mouth, and with the consequences of his words, he must be satisfied, whether good or evil. Are you getting it, church? Are you getting it? Because this is powerful. In other words, don't complain about the harvest from the words you speak if you're speaking negative. Some of us are praying for a harvest, but our mouth is causing a crop failure. We pray, God, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But then we confess, I can't do this. I I can't do this. We pray, God, I put my trust in you. But then we confess, how am I going to pay these bills? How am I going to resolve this situation? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? We pray, God, change my heart. And then we confess, nothing's ever going to change. We pray, God, change that person's heart. Oh, they're too far gone. We pray one thing and then we confess another. These things should not be. James 3, 10 says, out of the same mouth, woo, come praise and cursing. Oh, don't you love God's word? My brothers, this should not be. With our mouth, we praise God, we curse ourselves and other people. We must stop cursing. Stop cursing yourself. Start speaking words of blessing over yourself. Come on. You, it may seem strange to you at first, but Isaiah 65, 16 says, oh, this is good. It's all good. You, can you tell I love God's word? It's all good. I, I don't even know what to say. He who blesses himself in the earth shall bless himself by saying, may the God of truth bless me. Yes. Woo. That's powerful. That hit me, man. I'm going to read that one again. He who blesses himself in the earth shall bless himself by saying, may the God of truth bless me. Let's say that together. May the God of truth bless me. Woo! It's biblical to speak blessings over yourself. Now listen, there are people, probably most of us at one time or another, we have no problem putting ourselves down, do we? But we can't seem to build ourselves up. We curse ourselves, but we don't bless ourselves. If I asked you this, would you curse something that God wants to bless? (laughs) You would say, no, you did say no. I'm going to say it again. Would you curse all of you, anything that, something that God wants to bless, but you curse yourself. And God wants to bless you. We curse ourselves. My brothers and sisters, these things ought not to be. And our words then become self-fulfilling prophecies. And we wonder why things are falling apart in our life. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. I'm a loser. I can't ever get anything right. I'm not good enough. Well, then we act that way. Because that's what we're saying to ourselves. And that's what we're believing. Our words are self-fulfilling prophecies. Proverbs 13.3 says this. And I'm almost closing. He who guards his lips guards his life, but he who speaks rashly will come to ruin. Joshua 1.1.8 tells us to do the opposite of that. Keep the book of the law. Here we go. The book of the law, you know what that is? It's called the Bible. 
It's called the Bible. You read it because you need it in you to do all of this. You need to know what the word of God says. So you keep the book of the law on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. So you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Yes, thank you so much. You want to be prosperous and successful? Get in God's word. In other words, do not stop speaking the word of God. I did this. I, I know I'm, I need to hurry. But some of you will remember this was years ago. I don't have this in my notes. But I had a fear of flying after an MRI. And it took me a year. And we flew a lot. I was working for Southwest Airlines. I was so scared to get on a plane. I got a verse. When I am afraid, I will trust in him. That was it. Said it all the time. We fly all over the world now. I overcame that fear by speaking the word. So the way you guard your heart, the way you tame your tongue is get in the word and get the word into you. Do not stop believing, obeying, and speaking the word of God. I'm not saying today that you get anything you confess. Come on. But as believers created in God's image and our words spoken in faith according to the will of God have power. You've heard it said, if you don't have anything good to say, say nothing. But you always have something good to say because you have God's word. Amen. Whatever situation you're in, find a Bible verse. Believe it. Speak it. Believe it. Pray it. Do warfare over it. We overcome the enemy the same way Jesus did. By speaking the word. Amen? Our words can defeat the enemy and win the victory. There's power when our words line up with God's word. So I'm asking you, do your words agree with God or do they agree with Satan? Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Are you wavering? Stop wavering. Speak the word of God. Listen, the Greek word here for confession is homo legeo. Homo legeo. And it means to assent or agree with. Agree with God. Hello. It's that simple. Confession literally means to speak the same as another. Who do we speak the same as? God. To say the same thing as whom? God. That's what you choose. Your words either agree with God or they agree with Satan. So to tame our tongues, we have to use the sword of the spirit, which is, excuse me, preaching the truth of God's word. So I want to close by doing this, and we're going to be just fine on time. I want us to confess the word together. Now, there's scriptures on, this, on the screen, and I'm going to open, I'm going to speak, I'm going to speak something, and then you're going to, together, we're all going to say the scripture, okay? So instead of confessing I can't, we must confess God's word that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Instead of confessing lack, we must confess God's word that says, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Instead of confessing fear, we must confess God's word that says, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Instead of confessing weakness, we must confess God's word that says, the Lord is the strength of my life. Hallelujah. Instead of confessing defeat, we must confess God's word that says, 
God always causes me to triumph in Christ Jesus. Woo, I'm getting on fire here. Instead of confessing sickness, we must confess God's word that says, by his stripes I am healed. Instead of confessing condemnation, come on, we must confess God's word that says, there is no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Instead of confessing worry, we must confess God's word that says he will keep you in perfect peace when your mind is stayed on him instead of confessing failure we must confess God's word that says in all things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us instead of confessing fear about our future we must confess God's word that says God has plans for us that are good and not evil there is power, church, in speaking God's word. So if you want to tame your tongue, start speaking God's word. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Man, that got, wow, wasn't that great? Oh, I love the word of God. Give God a hand. Woo! He's good. So we're going to sing one more song. <laughs> Almost forgot that part till I saw Joe looking at me. We're going to sing one more song, and then you will be dismissed. Oh, prayer team. Come on down, prayer team. I got so caught up in that, man. I'm like, ah, I don't know. What day of the week is it? <laughs> it was so good. Okay, anything else, baby? Oh, an invitation. Okay. Anybody wants to come down here, listen. That would be so amazing if you would come down. If you're struggling with this whole thing or anything, if... I felt in the beginning of church that there might be some here who don't know Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, these mature, uh, amazing individuals, prayer warriors are down here to pray over you and to speak truth over you and to agree with you in faith for whatever breakthrough you're needing in your life. And I just thank you so much today for your participation. You guys didn't let me down. You didn't let me down. I appreciate it. Don't forget the Israel meeting, okay? The altar is open. We're going to sing one more song. You'll be dismissed. Thank you.